You are listening to Discovery Church Podcast. We are in week two of our series, uh, Blessings and Blisters. And uh, if you don't understand the title, just you can listen or watch it on YouTube of last week and, and it breaks it down. But here's our theme verse for our series. It's found in Isaiah chapter 43, verse, thir- verse 19, excuse me. If you don't have your Bibles... We got you right there. And here's what it says. This is God, creator of the heavens, creator of the universe, the God that spoke uh, the stars into the sky, the God God that, that breathed life into your lungs. This is him speaking. And he says this, for I'm about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. So we're looking at this idea that God wants to do something new in your life. Three people want God to do something new in your life. We'll, we'll continue on. And here's the verse uh, for, for our topic today. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. This is the Apostle Paul. And he writes this. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person. Watch how he does the transformation by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. I want you to know this morning that God's will for your life is good, is pleasing, and is perfect. In fact, this morning I want to talk to you from the subject, good, pleasing, perfect. Good, pleasing, perfect. Perfect. Let's pray one more time and we'll jump in. Father, we love you. God, we thank you so much for what you're doing already in this place. God, we thank you for this new year. God, we thank you uh, for uh, this new place, this new building. Father, right now, I pray that you would uh, just speak through me. God, you know what each person in this place needs to hear. There's no way that I can articulate it, but I know you can, Holy Spirit. So would you help me right now? We want to leave here changed. We want to leave here better. Not for our own benefit, but so that we can change the world around us. And God, I also want to say I thank you that your favor is over the Niners. And I thank you. Guys, I'm praying. And then I thank you. God, and I thank you that we don't have to play the Ravens in the Super Bowl. We love you. Come on, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's go, Niners. Woo! I know that we have a Raven fan in here, but that's okay. We'll talk afterwards. Um, How many of you guys remember your first job? You guys remember your first job? Why is it that first jobs are always the worst jobs ever? Like everyone that I've talked to, they're like, my first job was blah, blah, blah. And it was like this work, like it was horrible. My first job was horrible. My first job, in fact, was uh, working at Domino's Pizza. Okay? Now, I love Domino's. Domino's is amazing. But uh, I just remember the excitement of having my first job. So I, so I now have money. But then also... The, the weight and the stress and the responsibility of having a J-O-B. And so here I am. I start my first job. I am making pizzas and I'm answering the phones and I'm folding boxes. That's how we fold boxes. 
I'm folding boxes, and, uh, and, and, and I'm just doing everything, okay? I remember leaving my first day on the job, and I get into the car, my Uber, this is my mom, <laughs> and that's what we called Uber back then, guys, um, parents. And so, so I get in the car, right? And, and, and I'm just, I remember just, like, smelling my shirt. Like, it smelled like yeast, tomatoes, and bleach. And I'm like, oh, this shirt smells. I was, I remember I wanted to go home and just, like, take the shirt off. I wanted to burn it. Like, it, it just smelled like it. I'm very sensitive to scent. And so I just, I was like, whoa. I didn't want it. Here's what's interesting, though, is that as I worked there long enough, as weeks passed, months passed, that smell that once got me feeling a little nauseous, I couldn't even smell it anymore. Like, all of a sudden, I got used to it. I got used to the smell of the yeast, tomatoes, and uh, bleach. So much so, I remember one time my friend, my friends picked me up from work, and I was like, "Let's go! Let's hang! Out. I'm ready to! I'm ready to party!" Like not party, really. Like let's party. I'm like, I'm ready to hang out, right? And I'm in the car, and they're like, "We're gonna take you home first, right?" I was like, "Why? Because you smell." And I remember just like, no, I don't. And they're like, we're taking you home as well. Or Peter, they call me Peter. And so I remember, and here, here's why I'm telling you this. Because the longer that I had submerged myself, if you will, into the environment, the, the, the easier it was for me to just become okay with the smell. Let, let me say it this way. The, the longer that I worked in the environment where there was bleach and tomato sauce and pizza dough, the more I didn't realize that the things that I used to not be able to stand, all of a sudden I was able to stand. Like my sensitivity to the smell was no longer. And here's why I tell you this story, because this is really the heart of what the Apostle Paul is writing in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. He said, don't copy the customs and the behaviors of this world, of this culture. This idea of Paul saying that I know that you are surrounding yourself in a culture that is counter to Christ. How many of you guys know that sometimes culture is counter to what Christ desires for your life? And Paul's saying, hey, I understand that, 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 that you are smack down in the middle of a culture that is counter to what Jesus is wanting. He said, but don't conform. Don't give in. Don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world. Maybe for you, you... you you, you remember this when you first just made a decision to follow Christ and you're set for things that you knew just weren't great for your spirit. You push those things away. 
Remember that? But then the longer that you've been doing this Christian thing, the longer you've just been accepting things that you did accept back then. And you would say, I would say, it's because I'm not religious. But what if it's just this idea, like, I've just become so, I, I lost my sensitivity to those things that I once held as standard and dear in my life, and just because I've been doing it long enough, I'm starting to lose my scent of the nauseousness of the yeast and the tomatoes and the bleach. And so Paul is saying, don't copy the customs and the behaviors of this world. And he goes on to say, and here's why we, we don't want to, we want to break away from that, from the behaviors and the customs, why we want to set ourselves aside. Because he says that God has something for you. God has something that is good, that is pleasing, and is perfect will for your life. Dare I say, God has something new for you. And Paul is saying that, that don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world, because God has something new for your life. God has something better for your life. God wants to take you to a new place in your life. But then he says, for all the people, his audience, that were reading his letter and were cheering him on, that sounds great. I accept it. Amen. Preach, Paul, preach. He says something that, that is very, that, 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 that caught my, my attention. He said that God's will that is good, pleasing, and perfect, the new, that it's all predicated on how you think. And so if our mind is not right, then it holds back all that is good, pleasing, and perfect that God has for our life. And I'll explain it more because I, I think it deserves some explaining. So this idea... That what God has for our life, what God has for you, and you and you, this year, 2020, your ability to step in the new, to step in the good, the pleasing and perfect, it starts with how you think. In other words, the way that you process new in here will set value to what you see new out here. So it starts right here. And, and this is actually, we see this in the story that we're going to read in Numbers chapter 20. This idea that there had to be some, as Paul would say, some transformation of the way that we think in order for these, these people to step into what God has for them. So if you were here last week, we talked briefly about a story that involved a guy named Moses, a guy named Aaron. God and a rock. And so a uh, little, just a brief, brief overview of what we talked about last week is here was Moses. He's leading his people. They just left Egypt. They're pursuing their new promised land, the new place that God had for them. And during their journey, they begin complaining. They begin saying, Moses, we're thirsty. Moses, why are you having us just uh, why are you letting us die of thirst? Come on, drama. 
<laughs> so Moses, he goes to God. He's like, God, these people, I love them, but they're driving me crazy. What do I do? And God said, told Moses this. He said, Moses, grab your staff, hit the rock, and when you hit the rock, I know, listen, what I'm going to tell you, it sounds impossible, okay? But it happened. Grab the staff, hit the rock, and out of the rock flowed water. Okay? Now, I know what you're saying, like, John, that's impossible. But I would rather serve a God that can have water flow from a rock than provide water with rain. Right? Like, I'd rather have a God that, is a, that can do impossible things. And so, so, so that's what happened, okay? So that was fast forward now to Numbers chapter 20. And we find ourselves in the very same predicament. However, time has passed on. So Numbers chapter 20. And what I want us to do within this text... I want to give you three thoughts, three thoughts, three thoughts that need transformation. Three thoughts that need transformation. And so here we go, Numbers chapter 20. Once again, Moses is leading God's children, Israel, through the wilderness. And once again, the people start complaining. Once again, they begin to tell Moses, Moses, we're thirsty. Now, unlike the last time that we read, this time the people really started complaining. They started saying things like, Moses, you should have left us in Egypt. At least we had something to eat and drink in Egypt. Moses, why did you bring us out here to die? And so here's the first thought that needs transformation. And this is in your notes. First one is this. The old way is the easy way. The old way is the easy way. See, these people, they begin complaining. Moses, it was so much better back in Egypt. See, we ought to understand the significance of what they're saying because they were slaves back in Egypt. They're free now, but they were slaves back in Egypt. And yet they're saying, Moses, it was better there. It was better the old way. The old way was so much easier. It meant so much easier. It was so much easier, Moses. And they begin complaining about how the old way was easier. As I was preparing this message, I really felt like there are some of us in here this morning where we've gotten to that place where Israel was. Like we've been having conversations with God. God, I've been doing X, Y, Z. God, I've been going to church. God, I've been serving. God, I've been doing this. I've been doing that. God, I've been kind to the people that I don't like. God, I've been great at my boss. And, and God, and it, it just seems like nothing is working out for you. And I feel like as I was preparing this message, that there's some in here this morning where you began telling God, God, it was way easier 
old way. God, it was way easier when I was doing what I wanted. God, it was way easier when I was doing this. God, it was way easier when I was just filling the blank, whatever it is. God, it was way easier. And I think the danger of, of the old way of valuing the old way and putting an emphasis in the old way is that the old way blinds you from your current way. Because when you're stuck in whatever predicament you find yourself in, a sickness, an addiction, whatever it is, when you find yourself lost and you, you find yourself like, oh, I just, I just missed the old way. What happens is that the old way gets you to begin to believe that where you're at now is the final destination. See, Israel, they begin complaining in the desert that I wish I was in Egypt because they were looking, they were understanding their circumstances as current and not what was God, what God had for them in the promised land. And they were willing to give away what God had for them for what God brought them out of just because they couldn't see. All they saw was where they were at. Listen, we got to allow God to transform our mind that the old way is not the easy way. The old way is the harder way. The older way will rob you from all that God has for you. And so the first uh, thought that we need transformation for is the old way is the easy way. Here's the second one. My way is the best way. My way is the best way. So the people are complaining, Moses, we don't have anything to drink. What are we going to do? So once again, Moses, he goes to God on behalf of his people. And he's like, God, these people are driving me insane. Y'all never let anyone before. That's why you're so quiet. Otherwise, you're like, amen. <laughs> and so, so the, he, God, like, I don't know what to do. These people are thirsty. What, what am I supposed to do? And God tells him. He says, Moses, grab your staff. Check. God tells, tells Moses, he says, Moses, I want you to go to that rock over there. Check. God says, Moses, instead of hitting the rock, I want you to speak to the rock. Okay. So the text says, and this is in your notes, Moses, he goes out to the rock. God told him to speak to the rock. Moses, he hit the rock. And I was reading that. And I was like, man, John, you are like Moses sometimes. 
about you, but how many, like, go and ask God, God, I need help on this. God, I need direction right here. God, I need wisdom right here. God, I need to know what you want me to do. And he tells you, whether it's a still small voice, whether it's through someone, a friend, he speaks to you. You get the answer and you're like, ah. He speaks, he tells you what you're supposed to do and you're like, well, the way that I did it last time did work. And he hit it. I think if we're not careful, it's very easy to believe that my way is the best way. And really, the only reason why we think it's the best way is because, well, we've done it before. The only reason why I think my way is the best way is because I don't have to rely on anyone else. And Moses, he goes out and he, he does it his way. And he hits the rock. Here's what I want you to get, though, because I love this, is that even in Moses' disobedience, water still flowed from the rock. That leads me to my third and final thought that needs transformation. It's this, his way is just a way. His way, so God's way is just a way. So God tells Moses, Moses, I don't want you to hit the rock. I want you to speak to the rock. Moses goes out there. He's like, bah, he hits it. Water comes out. And there, here's what I love. Is there was enough water that flowed for everyone. It said for the entire community as well as the, the livestock. And everyone was able to drink. And I just want us to camp out on this idea that in the disobedience of Moses, God still provided. Because I think it's in this reading of the text we can get in a lot of trouble. Because it is very easy to, to believe and to think and to want the fact that God is providing for me means that God is accepting my behavior and what I'm doing. See, there... One of the greatest lies that the enemy could ever tell you and to tell me is that provision means approval. The greatest lie, one of the greatest lies that the enemy could ever tell you is that provision means approval. See, if I'm Moses and I see that rock and I hit the rock and water flows, if I'm Moses, I'm thinking, well, I did it. I may have not done it God's way, God's way, but but I did it. Here's my party trick, y'all. The water's flowing. And it's very easy to believe that just because the water was flowing from the rock, that Moses was in the right. Can I tell you this morning? 
that just because you see the proverbial water from the rock coming from your life does not necessarily mean God is approving of everything that you or I am doing. The fact that the water is flowing from the rock is showing that God loves you, that he cares for you, that he's showing you grace and showing you mercy. But please don't get it twisted. That it means that he's approving everything that I'm doing, everything that you are doing. The water is not significant of approval, is not the approval. And so... I'll show you this, okay, because you guys are looking at me real, real hard right now. I'll show you what I'm talking about. So the verse I'm about to read was, is right after the water flow. Is right after all the community, everyone in the community was able to drink. Was right after all the livestock were able to drink, okay? So everyone is full. No one's thirsty. God, through his grace and through his mercy, provided. But watch what God says. Numbers chapter 20, verse 12, and we have it up on the screen. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel, you will not lead them into the land I am giving. Because you did not allow me to demonstrate my holiness. Let me, let, me, let me paraphrase. Because you decided to do it your way and not my way. He said, you're not going to step into the new that I am giving you. Listen. Listen. Whether Moses hit it with the stick or whether he spoke it, water was going to flow. So either way, God was going to do what he wanted to do. But it was how Moses responded and positioned himself to what God had him to do is what was different. So it's his way or just a way, or his way is, is, is just a way. We need to understand, I need to understand that God wants to be the boss of your life or he doesn't even want any of it. He don't want to be your supervisor. He don't want to be your shift leader. He don't want to be your manager. He wants to be the boss of your life. He wants all of you. Like, he doesn't want to ride shotgun in your life. He wants to drive. He wants to be the lead, the head of your life. He wants to lead you. And here's why we need to have our mind transformed. Because that thought of that God wants all of you or nothing is very offensive. The fact that I'm standing here this morning saying that God wants it all or he doesn't want anything. That's 
Church Podcast. Remember, we will have a new message for you every Monday at 5 p.m. Make sure to like and subscribe, and you will be notified when a new episode is ready for listening.